Let's do this. What is virtualization? You're going to learn today. Innovate like a startup. Deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffeeed up and ready because it's going to be a great day. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson. Hey, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. My name is Pete Fletcher, and joining me as always is my good friend, Mr. John Nicholson. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm exhausted. Okay, you're, you, you want to take a break? What's, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, I come out of Christmas break, and I'm like, you know, I, I deal with family and food. Oh, I love them all, and I, I do, you know, love Christmas food. But then I had to change all my passwords because of the last patch breach, and like, oh, yeah, figure out a new solution, and you know, it made me reevaluate, but like, do I know where all my two factor tokens are? And do I have backups of seed phrases and things? And it was just, you that know, it was a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd rather, I'd rather run a marathon than ever go through that again of, you know, dealing with that. Like it's, it's just one of those deals where it's like something bad happens. It happens at the wrong time. And then the reactions like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only there was some solution that could help me with these things, right? Yeah, I, I, well, the product that we're going to talk about today, which I think is pretty amazing and has some amazing features, I don't know if they extend to personal use, uh, John, for all of yours, but I still think it's pretty cool to talk about. We're talking about uh, a product at VMware. There's several disaster recovery products, as you know, at VMware, but I think uh, one of the ones that's been getting a lot of attention lately is as it pertains to ransomware, right? And that is ransomware with VMware Cloud DR. And we've got a couple of the experts on the line to talk about that, starting with our good friend, Mr. Mike McLaughlin. Mike, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I, I don't use LastPass, so I'm doing way better than John. <laughs> what do you use? Rubbing it in here. I, I use one password. <laughs> one password, like password is your yeah, password. They, 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 yeah, they they haven't no, they haven't announced a, a breach yet, but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a great product name, by the way. One password. Yeah, it's just everything's you know Hunter Five or whatever. So. <laughs> also joining us uh, is, uh, from the same team is Baloo. Baloo, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. Thanks so much, Pete. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've worked with you guys for a little while. I know there's been so much activity at VMware as it pertains to disaster recovery. I've seen sessions at VMware Explore. Uh, I've seen demos. I've read blogs and and good stuff. And I'm going to leave links uh, on the show notes of this podcast to all of that information. But yeah, man, I wanted to have the conversation with you guys. Um, maybe we can just start because I think most people uh, might have an, a little bit of an idea of you know ransomware, but they're they're very familiar with our disaster recovery solution. So, Mike, you recently wrote a blog post that sort of broke down some of the differences between what you can expect from a from an administrator uh, when it comes to you know ransomware recovery versus traditional disaster recovery. So why don't we just start, you know, let's let's just start by talking about some of those key differences that an administrator needs to be aware of. Oh, sure. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, so ransomware recovery and disaster recovery kind of get lumped together, but they really have some fundamental differences in them that I think we're going to address when we talk a little bit more about the product. But think of it this way. You're an application running in a site and the site has a problem, power, fire, earthquake. The application's still good. It just needs another place to run, all right? With ransomware, typically the property is fine. 
you still have power, you still have servers, everything's the lights are on, and the application is very sick. Yeah, yeah. Actually, unusable to the point of being unusable. And a recovery in that sense, um, we're going to change some of the things that we do. So a disaster recovery site isn't necessarily another place you go to do normal business. It's a place you go to get healthy. So you okay. think about think about you're going to use a recovery site, much like like if you got sick today, you wouldn't just go move into a hotel. You'd go to the hospital and they might throw you in the ICU. <laughs> so we're going to use our recovery SDDC capabilities in a different fashion. The other thing that we found in working with a number of customers is typically in a site disaster, you've got this RPO that you're trying to hit and you want to just get over business as fast as possible to another site. And you, you make the assumption that everything's healthy the last time it was it was replicated. So that's a good starting point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tr traditionally, when you have a disaster, you know, I've seen some disaster, you know, like back in 20, 2011, uh, there was a big VMware customer that had a failover from from the tsunami. Right. So right. their their location was gone. They had to fail over to a completely different location. That's what when, when people think of disaster recovery, that's what they think of. Right. Like right. site A is non-existent. We need to completely start over. Well, and yeah. you, you make a point there also the last checkpoints assumed good. So if you've got like you're using V for replication, you've got a five minute interval or using some, you know, exotic, you know, array, you know, shipping thing, maybe you're at a couple seconds. You, you assume that that's that slot is good. The databases will figure it out from a log replay if they're inconsistent. Um, and worst case, maybe you've got a couple snapshots, but you're not you're not trying to keep, you know, generally more than a day or so. You, you would never the time where you would be going back more than a day would be pretty ugly. And not what you're looking for. Yeah, the newest right. is probably usually the best, right? It's usually like you basically have yeah. one one main one that you're trying to get to, the most recent. Yeah. So you're think you're thinking about my most recent RPO. Let's get it over, get back up, and it's a very linear process as well. With ransomware recovery, the first is you show up at the at the hospital, you, sh you show up in the recovery site, and they're like, "When did you first experience these problems?" <laughs> And it, become, it becomes an iteration. It, you need to have a little bit more going on to help that virtual machine application get back, get healthy, get back into service. And we've added some things into the to, the, to our disaster recovery platform specifically to address that. So the, it's a different nature. I mean, the, the, the workflows, the, the, the sort of chaos that ensues. I mean, having a nice, simple run book that you can just start flipping through the pages, that's a great site disaster strategy. Yeah. With rans with ransomware, it's suddenly like, what happened? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Who's guilty? And you're looking around. There's a lot of things that have to go on, and we want to bring some order to that chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So. It sounds well, it, almost it, closer to a traditional backup compared to a disaster recovery, because usually when there's a, and I know there's differences, and I'd like to pull on that thread a little bit, uh, but when you think of a traditional backup, you know, it's like, all right, well, my my site is still fine. I can still restore there if I need to, uh, but it's just a matter of identifying, well, what do I restore? Which backup is the best one to restore? So what's the difference between a traditional backup that you would restore and, say, a ransomware recovery? Well, a couple of things. So, I mean, you're going to want to have a deeper recovery point repository like backups do so that you can go back in time and see if, if things were working on Friday or Thursday or Tuesday. Like in a normal backup situation, it's like, when did the DBA drop the table? 
<laughs> when, when did development push the wrong code? Yeah. You know, you want, you want to basically have some kind of timeline that you can back up through to find the point, uh, you know, the inflection point. So it is similar to backup in that, but the, the key thing here, and it comes back to that uh, isolated recovery environment, that's a term you're going to start hearing, IRE, is where is that work being done? Because we don't want to pull a copy back that's partially infected and hope it gets well on its own. Well, it, it's like trying to oper- you know, do a medical procedure um, in the middle of a crime scene. It's, you know, going back to your hospital analogy, it's like, okay, you got shot. You need to go somewhere to get patched up. And yeah, we don't, we don't do that while there's like police tape around in the back alley. Like it's, it's not very really sanitary and who knows if they'll come back and try to finish the job. So yeah, for, forensic, um, forensics yeah. is also important too. Yeah. Cause it also, if you're recovering over, I've seen large scale recoveries to where, you know, 70% of the storage was in use. And if you start doing a recovery, you're going to have to delete all the evidence. So you actually, you, you're causing problems with that. And my understanding is sometimes, you know, when you have a ransomware event and you're invoking your cyber policy, um, you don't actually get to make decisions always at that point, your insurance company sends their people in or their security team. And they tell you when you can use that hardware, like it becomes kind of like that. It becomes problematic. It's a tricky problem. It, it's not your normal site disaster. <laughs> well, I guess I have one question on this because this is a very different process. Like we said, there's l- potentially lawyers and all kinds of and insurance people, which are generally the last two people you want anywhere near your data center involved. What does the buyer persona look like for ransomware? Because obviously disaster recovery, that's operations people that's saying, hey, you know, if I'm down for five minutes, it's going to cost me X. OK, well, stretch cluster cost Y. OK, let's do this, you know, or business continuity or or snap recovery or, you know, basic stuff like that, that typically ops and IT can kind of like figure out that. But is, is are we seeing a different buyer persona at all for this or different people involved in the procurement here? Well, uh, I can take that one. Um, So essentially what we're seeing is you have the product users, which are usually involved in uh, disaster recovery operations. But with ransomware in particular, we are seeing this emerge as a key concern for people all the way up to the C-suite, right? So CIOs, CISOs, CEOs are all concerned uh, because ultimately they're the ones who are going to be responsible for that lost data. So yes, uh, we are seeing a little bit of a shifting trend when it comes to the buyer personas that uh, particularly the ransomware use case uh, is uh, presenting. And um, to add on to your question, Pete, uh, I do believe that there are two unique challenges that ransomware recovery presents today. Uh, One of those challenges is uh, the fact that you need to be able to detect these next-gen strains of ransomware uh, within the snapshots that you're trying to recover from, right? So you need the right tools in place for that. Traditional disaster recovery solutions don't address this problem. And the second one is that usually in a ransomware recovery scenario, as Mike mentioned, you don't really know what point in time you have to recover from, right? And you risk reinfection of your production environment if you bring back a copy that's infected. Um, So these are some of the challenges that that organizations are facing when they are looking to recover from ransomware. And this is what we're bringing to market or part of the problem that we're solving with VMware ransomware recovery. Now, Mike, can you talk about speed? Because there was a ransomware incident I know of of a large company um, that I don't think it's public, but it was unique because they had a they had a storage uh, system. It was a hybrid storage system, and the whole system became uh, it became encrypted. It was several. It was I think almost like a petabyte of data or something nasty got hit, 
And what they found was is their backup storage was so slow to recover from that it was cheaper to go buy some. I mean, it was basically, the time it was going to take was so long that even though they had the data, um, the recovery time was just going to be unacceptable. And it was actually faster and just cheaper and easier in their case to go buy some Bitcoin and you know pay off the Moldovian teenagers or whoever and you know was responsible for the attack. What are we doing in terms of of speeding up that recovery process? Or like, you know, she just mentioned, if you've got multiple points to go through, you know, am I going to have to load 400 terabytes? Oh, that's the wrong one. Load 400 terabytes. That's the wrong one. Like, I can see a lot of angry executives on a on a, you know, a conference bridge asking for status updates every 15 minutes to that process. Like, what are what's our what are we doing to help with that? So there's there's a couple of things. I mean, the, the scalability and 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 that that magnitude it is is always a challenge no matter what it is you know and from a from a recovery perspective what we're looking at is the ability to um, sort of divide and conquer on the problem minimize the amount of data that has to move back and forth to repair the environment but also provide very fast access to those recovery points that that Baloo was talking about so that if I do need to iterate back and forth a little bit, um, I can do that in relatively short order. I don't have to be pulling terabytes and terabytes or petabytes of data out of archive just to take a look at it, that it's sitting you know, near, t- near hand for me to look at from the analysis perspective. Um, there is always the problem that if the original site is completely compromised and has to be rebuilt, you're going to need to reload the data from somewhere and, you know, or pay the ransom and find another job. Because <laughs> you know, because there's no guarantee that that's going to get you back into business. Yeah. So scalability is definitely a, a, an issue. I think the divide and conquer capabilities inside the ransomware uh, capabilities that we've added will help mitigate that. Yeah, for sure. And and I want to dive into you know what specifically uh, VMware ransomware recovery offers uh, in in this regard. There's a couple of different things I've seen, and and Baloo, maybe you can help me understand these a little better. Like. Uh, Mike, you just mentioned something about an IRE, for example. Like we we know for a fact that we can't restore on site. You know, we need to go to another location. Another location. I think you keep alluding to the hospital. Uh, so, what what exactly is the R IRE, and and how does that look like inside of VMware Cloud? Um, so essentially, the IRE is this uh, isolated recovery environment, which is essentially your hospital to curate and iterate on these recovery points. Um, the, the big benefit that we bring to customers is that they don't need to build, secure, and manage their own IRE, which is usually a very resource-intensive task to accomplish. Uh, and what we've seen based on our conversations with customers is that literally 100% of customers who have been hit with ransomware did not have an IRE built. So what we do is we facilitate that process by allowing them to create an IRE directly from the dashboard with a push of a button. And Mike can talk a little bit more about how that process works. Uh, But essentially what we deliver is this capability to provision this IRE in a simple way that, you know, when stress is high, uh, resources are low, and there is no clear plan as to how to proceed, uh, this IRE is present for them for them to do these rapid iterations of recovery points. Very nice. So, Mike, when 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 we're in the IRE and and things are happening, you know, behavioral analysis is happening. What, what what's running that 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 process? What is that that's doing that? So, so the IRE is is really just a VMware cloud on AWS SDDC 
that has been properly um, configured. And it's being configured with uh, some NSX advanced firewall features. We'll talk about that in just a moment, as well as VMware um, next-gen antivirus uh, sensors. So we're going to basically take that infected virtual machine, inject it with some sensors so that we can analyze it. And we're going to look at three things there. Um, vulnerabilities, you know, OS and applications, uh, malware signatures, which is about half of the scenarios. is It's actually a known signature we can find. And then we, the behavioral analysis is super important because fileless attacks, things that basically reach out to IP addresses that you don't want them to or elevate priority or compromise your AD, those kinds of things are only observed when they're actually running. So the isolated recovery environment is going to keep them contained. And the, one of the ways that it does that is by leveraging the NSX advanced firewall feature. Now, you could certainly get in and, and reset firewall rules as you go through. And if anybody that's ever done you know, a firewall request to IT knows that that could take you know, minutes to hours to days, we've instrumented the SDDC to behave more like an isolation unit. So we can literally turn network access on and off, north or south or east and west in that environment so that that virtual machine can basically try to come alive. Mm. So you might bring on a virtual machine, clean it all up, it looks great, and you, you let it talk to its neighbor and it reaches over and does something unexpected. That's okay. a behavioral analysis. You want that to happen inside that contained environment. Now, I'm going to throw out a couple of buzzwords, subscription, consumption, and elasticity. <laughs> All right. We're building that IRE in VMware Cloud on AWS. So if I need a couple of hosts to act as my isolation unit, my isolated environment, I can do that. I can expand that environment. I can build that on the fly. I don't have to have one maintained and sitting over in the corner um, just in case I get impacted. I, I can basically build that instrument it and begin using it as that recovery environment to do that analysis and testing and preparation of those virtual machines so they get healthy so I can bring them back to work. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, and I like that this is elastic because that's a common problem with DR is people will build the primary site, they'll build the secondary site, they'll expand the primary site, whoever's workload required that extra storage or host or backup tooling, uh, box it, paying for the mirroring, and then you slowly get a drift there. This is something that, you know, you commit to these RPOs, these RTO targets, and the bill just comes in. It's like the phone bill. Like, hey, you made the calls, you put the workloads there. You know, it, it's it's not something that you're going to necessarily, once you, once you get into this, you're going to worry about your procurement or something blocking you from properly fulfilling what you're, you've set out to accomplish. And that's part of the beauty, right? Like we, we don't require folks to maintain full failover capacity to recover from ransomware. We allow them to provision this SDDC and VMware Cloud and AWS on demand. Uh, so they don't have to get that angry bill at the end of the month uh, all the time, right? And yeah. for mission critical applications that will require lower RTOs, we offer an alternative deployment form called Pilot Light, where essentially what you do is you pre-provision a small footprint of failover capacity, and then you're able to scale that capacity when the time comes to do a formal uh, recovery. But I mean, having a Pilot Light that's 5% of my production environment is a lot cheaper than having a duplicate that sits idle just in case. Absolutely. 100%. Um, <laughs> well, and, and also from a billing perspective, I assume that there's some elasticity. So if I activate this and I have to go run this for a month, you know, I'll get a larger bill then, right? 
Yes, yeah. you will get charged on a per tebibyte protected and per VM, and then you will pay for the hosts you use separately. So what's what's fun here though is is my cyber policy or my contingency uh, insurance business contingency insurance often will help pay for um, resources associated with a recovery period or things like that. So if you can have the the largest the large bubble, I guess, of that bill only being invoked in an event where you're going to be calling your insurance company and getting them to mail you a check anyways. Um, yeah, that's something you kind of have to plan for and think about, but it's also something that if you structure it correctly, um, it's, it's technically somebody else's bill. Um, I guess you already paid for it in your premiums, but yeah. there, there's probably ways to kind of, if you think about that from a financial engineering, which is a bit beyond the scope of this podcast, uh, way to structure it. <laughs> So, so a big problem I've seen uh, in previous uh, solutions for, especially for like backup and recovery, uh, you know, a lot of viruses will come and target the backups. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's a problem. Uh, so, w- how do we know that when we're restoring something, there's not some you know form of this virus that's already in our backups, and and how do we protect those? Well, the snapshots that we take that we store in the Scale-Out Cloud file system are immutable in nature, uh, so they cannot be altered by malware. And uh, when you bring those up and power them on, you will do this behavioral analysis of the powered-on workload. Um, And to your point, one of the things that we're able to detect through this powered-on scanning is uh, fileless attacks, which unfortunately had become one of the most common types of attacks across ransomware scenarios. Uh, Roughly, I think 60 to 80% of attacks happen through fileless methods, and these cannot be detected through traditional file scanning. So uh, that is one of our key differentiators and why uh, traditional file scanning tools will not detect these next-gen strings of ransomware. Wow. That's deep. (laughs) Well, (laughs) From a, you, you mentioned that, that it's, it's immutable. Um, so, you know, obviously that's stored in such a way that it, there isn't a way to delete. There's a fixed retention policy that will be honored, you know, um, no matter what. But also from a management plane, um, if I'm not mistaken, Michael, this isn't, you know, commonly these attacks, someone compromises your AD, they get domain admin, then they go do whatever. This infrastructure isn't in your AD. It's not SSO. This is VMware infrastructure managed by VMware SREs and isolated um, authentication bubbles. So if no matter how much you're compromised, the management plane's still isolated. That, like That's what makes it an IRE, I guess, right? Yeah, so the IRE gives you that isolation environment. And you know, back to Pete's question is, um, if, if, I, if, a, if an application is infected, but it doesn't surface for a few days, it might actually get protected with that malware inside of it. And what we wanna do is make sure that that malware doesn't spread. And the immutable file system basically allows, protects it from sort of spreading on its own. But if you bring that virtual machine back into, you know, a quarantined environment, you'll get a moment to look at it, scan through it, and you could either just throw it out. Or one of the things that's really good here is, is you've got some inventory to work with. You might on Tuesday have an idea how to fix something that you knew nothing about last Friday. Yeah. All right, and so you can you can basically pull this into a quarantined environment and maybe take some remediation actions that slip through your original prevention mechanisms. Because that's the other thing is, is to truly prevent this kind of malware from infecting most IT organizations, you pretty much have to shut down the applications. 
and all you do is run all you do is run the cybersecurity. And 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 we just don't have the bandwidth or the resources to turn on the checkpoints in the prevention method. And that's why things tend to slip through. Not everything's 100% covered. Not everything's running 24-7. You know, you're doing daily scans of things and something that picked up this morning. You know, it's, it's not unusual to see an, an alert two days after the infection because it's finally getting scanned. Yeah. And now no, those, will, those will end up in the backups, but we'll detect them there. And then you can throw those away and try something else. So can we can we do a bit of surgery and pull out specific... So let's say I've got a virtual machine. The operating system drive is compromised. Uh, I'm a good sysadmin, so my OS goes on its own partition, its own VMDK. But the data, the data drive is fine. I'm happy with that. Can we mix and match, or can we pull apart? Uh, can we pull files out of a healthy disk or things like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually been a a, a function in the, the basic DR pro- product that we're now leveraging into uh, the workflow, that that iterative workflow. Because I might say, here's a really good baseline, and these files from just before the encryption are still accessible and much more valuable. So let me go get those and put those two together. Nice, nice. So that, that, that's built into the iterative workflow that we're also, that, that the, the guided workflow is another thing we've added to uh, this this ransomware specifics because in a normal site disaster, it's it's literally run book linear. Let's just try to get up and running. But in the ransomware, there's a lot of this back and forth that has to go on. And it's almost on a per virtual machine basis. Yeah. And Mike, and, and, you, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to use the hospital example. Two people walk into the hospital complaining that they don't feel well. Are you going to give them both the same medicine? <laughs> I mean, maybe if I'm in charge, maybe. But, you know, <laughs> maybe it's that's why I'm not in charge. So. Everyone gets a moxicillin today. Everyone yeah. have some have some Vicks, <laughs> and you get a Vic, and you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, question: you you mentioned that this is part of the original product. Is so the original product then you're referring to is VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, yes, and then the VMware Ransomware Recovery is sort of you know uh, a sister portion it's, of that product. It's it's a layer on top of that, so it's, okay. it's actually. VMware ransomware recovery for VMware cloud disaster recovery. So we're using some of the basics that we had for site disaster, creating a recovery site, um, instrumenting the, the workflow, having a, a, you know the immutable backups to recover from. All of those things were, were already there. We're leveraging a number of those and layering on these things that make ransomware recovery a little bit different and a little bit more complex. The isolation, the network control, the iterative workflows, things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is available, you know, blue where, where, who, so I can get this on VMware cloud on AWS, obviously, right. Are, are, are there other locations, other cloud providers that are offering VMware cloud disaster recovery now? And if not in the future, possibly. Uh, yes. So currently the only hyperscaler supported is VMware Cloud on AWS, but we are looking to um, support additional hyperscalers in the very near future. And there's also a launchpad page where you can actually look into the product, watch demos, deploy the product by yourself. Uh, I'll make sure I share a link to that for you to distribute. Yes, please. Yeah. And I've also, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen, uh, let's see, VMware Explorer, there were a few, there were 
a couple of sessions on VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, and I'll leave some links to those in the show notes. Uh, I've seen some good demos. Uh, Mike, you've been pretty busy. I, I was actually doing some show prep, and I was like, oh, wow, look at this. Nice, fancy music in the background, well-produced, showing the entire process for completely uh, configuring this inside of VMware Cloud on AWS, but also going through testing uh, and validating and then showing some restores. So that, that was pretty yeah. thorough. Uh, the VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery landing page as well has a lot of really good uh, content on there. So I will definitely leave links to all of those in the show notes. But uh, I think this is a product that is uh, probably one of the more exciting ones that I've seen it come from VMware in a while. I mean, because the world is getting crazy and these these you know, the ransomware attacks are, are coming on strong. I, I think I saw a stat recently that said like, there's a new ransomware attack, like every 11 seconds. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you think is never going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's happened. Uh, and, and instead of having to break out the credit card, like John was saying, I think, uh, preparing in advance with something like this might be the right decision. Agree. This, Very, this great, this gives you a great safety net for that particular scenario. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, those are the questions I have. And I, like I said, I will be sharing links on the show notes. John, anything else for these lovely people before we land this plane? No, no, that's uh, that's enough. I think I've got one more password to change here. And then I'm going to start uh, replicating, figuring out, you know, making sure all my data is properly replicated. So um. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at VMware.com. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching Virtually Speaking Podcast. You can catch this in all episodes at vspeakingpodcast.com. A big thanks to Mike and Baloo for joining us this week. We're back next time, but until then, bye for now.